Welcome to Digital Garden State, a podcast by the New Jersey Health Information Management Systems Society. Welcome to the second installment of our New Jersey HIMSS CMIO podcast series. New Jersey HIMSS is a consortium of healthcare professionals, providers, and vendors who are committed to promoting constant improvement in the use of information technology within the healthcare industry. My name is Jim Hennessy. I'm a board member of our New Jersey chapter of HIMSS, and I also serve as the CEO of V4 Services, a healthcare consulting firm. I'm once again joined by my co-host today, our chapter president, Dr. Kennedy Gonti. Today's podcast is presented by one of our chapter sponsors, Sienna. Uh, Kenny, if I could turn over to you for a quick intro. Great. I'd love to talk a little bit more about Sienna. Sienna is a networking system services and software company. Their solutions converge data connectivity with compute and security, security technologies in order to accelerate digital transformation and deliver a high quality experience for patients and staff. Sienna's adaptive network, which is trademark, approach Combine, approaches com, approach combines physical and virtual network devices, machine learning enabled analytics, and software based automation. Uh, automation, sorry. To learn more about how they helped numerous health systems to one ensure constant service availability, two strengthen their cybersecurity posture, three reduce operational expenses, please re, uh, visit their website at www.sienna.com. Excellent. Thank you, Kennedy. And getting right into it, today we're fortunate to uh, be joined once again by two regional CMIOs with us to get their experiences from their organizations. We're joined by Dr. Beth Kushner, who's the CMIO at St. Joseph's Health in Patterson, New Jersey. And we're also joined by Dr. Snehal Gandhi, who serves as the Vice President of Informatics at Cooper Health in Camden, New Jersey. Thank you both for joining us both today. Well, let's jump right into it. So today we're going to continue with the conversation that we started on our last podcast, just understanding what digital transformation means within all the organizations within New Jersey um, and how it varies within each of them. So to get started, Dr. Kushner, I'll start with you. Can you share some background on St. Joseph's Health and their current use of information technology? Sure. So St. Joseph's Health is a uh, rather small but important healthcare system for Passaic County, New Jersey. We're the, uh, we're the safety net hospital for the area, which means we have all comers for the area. and We don't have a lot of support system necessarily um, from other hospital systems. We uh, currently use Cerner. Uh, we are a trauma center. We do uh, cardiac cath, neuro, peds, oncology, and soon we're going to be opening up a very large ambulatory campus as well. Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Kushner. And to get Dr. Gandhi into it, Dr. Gandhi, can you give us a little background on on Cooper and and what's going on there? Absolutely. So Cooper, uh, located in Camden, New Jersey, uh, you know, right across from Philadelphia, we're a 663-bed tertiary care hospital. We're actually the only level one trauma center in South Jersey with 100-plus outpatient offices and 800-plus medical staff. Uh, we have a relationship with uh, MD Anderson in Texas. We have the MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper. We're also the Children's Regional Hospital. Um, and we're also uh, associated with the Cooper Medical School of Rowan University. In terms of uh, admissions, we had just slightly over 30,000 admissions uh, in 2021. Um, and we had about 1.6 million patient visits. So, you know, great stuff there. 
No, that's great too. Very important organizations to both North and South Jersey. So, uh, so thank you both for that. Jumping into the theme of of today's conversation in terms of digital transformation, um, it, I, I know it means a lot to different organizations. But can I ask each of you just to kind of speak to what that means within your organization? Is it something that's being discussed? Is it something that's defined and organized, structured? Maybe just spend a little bit of time kicking us off in what DTO means to your organizations. And Dr. Kushner, I'll start with you. Sure. So um, for over the past five to seven years, St. Joseph's has really been emphasizing and putting a lot of time and effort towards digital transformation. We went from having a best of breed different um different computer systems to consolidating into one computer system. And now we're trying to make our end users uh, get the benefits of having one EHR. We're trying to make the end user experience, our patients, uh, an easier, better, more seamless experience throughout the different um, parts of our healthcare system. So while we're in the process of building it, we also need to make sure that we meet our patients on their level. Uh, throughout our healthcare system, we serve lots of patients who English is not their first language. Uh, socioeconomic status may not be the highest, so it can't all be run off of a smartphone. We have to meet each end user uh, where they need to be met in order to give them the best and highest quality care uh, that they need in their terms. Let me just stay with you on that for a second and, and then um, and then continue on. But in terms of that piece of recognizing the different status of of the communities that you serve on there. What are some of the examples of how you approach technology differently for that patient experience and patient engagement? Sure, so um, for instance, while we would love to have everything go through our patient portal, our patients may not necessarily have access to a smartphone or a computer on a regular basis. So to have a telehealth visit that's only directed through a computer may not work for that patient. They may not have stable housing or stable internet source, and so that can't be the only way that we provide the highest quality care. All, um, additionally, and something we've run into a lot with COVID-19, is as we push um, you know, different at-home solutions, they may be only written out in English. And a large portion of my patient population, English is not their first language. And while they may be able to speak or understand English, we truly can't give high quality care only using the English language. And how do you think technology can help that? If, if it's not there today, what are the types of things that we're looking at that could hopefully improve that situation? So uh, one of the best things that I've seen is um, even the access to language lines and communication with a third-party translation has been helpful. Um, acknowledging and recognizing that all of our resources are currently in English, but we will have the ability to uh, create them in Spanish and other languages that we need, such as Arabic in the areas that I serve. There's um, other portions of my population, such as my patients from Bangladesh, where there's not a lot of the words that we necessarily want to use for technology that's been created in the language. And so we have to be mindful in when we deliver and we try to explain care um, through the use of technology that we're explaining it in a simple way. And I think that um, through technology, we're able to reach more people. We're able to reach um, consistently uh, you know, being able to grab people and keep them in our system, but we have to be mindful to meet them on their level. Gotcha. Great. And Dr. Gandhi, let me pull you in then and, and start from a, from Cooper's perspective and how you're approaching DTO within the organization. How, how is, is that something that's organized, formed, structured? Give a little background. Oh, on that absolutely. Um, you know, over time, we recognized that we really needed to fundamentally, and I wouldn't say change, but enhance 
the way that we operate and deliver value to our patients who are our customers, right? Um, and that being said, you know, we looked at digital transformation and literally took the approach of trying to or attempting to integrate digital technology into all areas of business. So one of the things that we did was, you know, we approached our senior leadership and, you know, we did an assessment of the landscape, the landscape in the sense that, you know, what are other institutions doing? You know, what are uh, outfits like Amazon and CVS doing, right? Um, you know, uh, and, and then we also looked at, you know, did surveys and uh, got feedback from our, our from our patients. And, you know, depending on who you're talking to, what we found is that there is a group, a cohort of people, a significant number of people where they want that instant gratification, right? The instant gratification in the sense that, you know, you can log into Amazon, for instance, at 2 a.m. and you can order an HDMI cable to be delivered between 10 a.m. and 2, 12 p.m. for like, you know, literally, you know, nothing, right? Like if you have Prime or whatever. And, you know, that's what people want, right? Um, that's what they want to see. They want to be able to have it their way when they want it, correct? So that's what we that's what we were looking at is how do we, we, we already have Epic, um, we have Epic Enterprise and years ago we went with the stance that we were going to use a single EHR. So we already crossed that bridge basically. So now how do we leverage our EHR and, you know, open it up sort of omni-channel just everywhere, right? Like, you know, patient portals, patient channels, online booking, right? Uh, booking through phone where you have voice recognition and everything like that. So, and that's what we embarked on is to create that strategy. And the strategy consists of our digital transformation strategy where we took like some of the areas where we talked about where, we, where we're looking at virtual care, for instance, right? How do we de deliver virtualized care? And then if that virtual care turns into a visit, a physical visit, so be it. Um, how do we improve the ambulatory experience, ambulatory experience, not just for our patients, but for everybody, right? Our clinicians and everybody. And then how do we improve access, access in the sense that how do we reduce the lag between when a patient decides that they want to come see a Cooper physician or provider for that matter, you know, how quickly can we get them through the door? And that's what we're currently working on. A lot of areas to uh, to explore on there, but but Kenny, let me turn to you if you had a question. If you want to, yeah, um, you know, and and Dr. Kushner made an excellent point on you know uh, addressing the needs of the population. One of the things that I'm aware of, and and for the purposes for our audience for disclosure is I do work with Cooper as well. Uh, so um, one of the things I've been amazed at, uh, Dr. Gandhi, is that. Uh, of our uh, attention to uh, uh, vulnerable populations, especially putting technologies like voice into, uh, you know, uh, you know, language translation. Um, not only do we serve uh, a large uh, multicultural population in Camden, but in the surrounding areas, including but not limited to uh, uh, Latin, you know, people of Latin American origin, African American, Haitian, including Vietnamese. And again, Vietnamese not being standard with Arabic script or with English right. script, it becomes challenging. And tell us more about, you know, how we've implemented, you know, those technologies, both uh, both at the clinic level that I have here and as well as in our telemedicine suite. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, we, we always go back to the old thing where we say, uh, you know, we've heard of people process technology, right? So, and what we found with the old way we were doing things was that in order to get the appropriate translation services in place, um, you had to, you know, uh, either know the number and the access code, or you had to use a specialized phone um, to dial into a translation service. 
And we're in a day and age where people have moved from just audio only to both video and audio, right? And, you know, for us, it was like, you know, we, we had limited capabilities in the, in the past, in the recent past. We had limited ability to do video and audio. And what we found is that the patients really loved having the combination of video and audio, one. And two, um, it just made the translation services so much more better and so much more accurate and personable, quite honestly, where you were able to get the accurate history that you were looking for, the accurate information that you were looking for from the patient. So in terms of moving, it, it was basically a no-brainer for us in the sense that, hey, here's a company that offers both audio and video. You can use it on iPad or whatever form factor, right? You can dial them up and you can actually do the translation services having both available to you. And the reception has been fantastic. Not only that, we made it very easy to use in the sense that it's an app. You just launch the app, put in whatever department um, you're dialing in from, basically. And then you have a live person on the other end. Um, and then the patient can see that person. You can see that person, right? And you, you just get it just totally enhances the experience. The minute we rolled it out, we found that, uh, yeah, right. And you can put it on the smartphone, whatever. So, and so we went from, you know, having to memorize access codes and pin codes and having specialized devices to having this technology is pervasive throughout the institution. So adoption was great. And what we found is as soon as we rolled it out on our pilot unit, um, the demand was like, hey, can we roll it out in the rest of the organization? Like we've heard great things about it. Um, so people were very willing to adopt this technology. So it's been a great success overall. No, that's tremendous. And then I want to pick up one thing, Dr. Kusher, going back in terms of the, uh, that patient experience and Dr. Gandhi was talking about that Amazon CVS, when you want it, you know, not necessarily wanting to have to interact with people, but being able to do things on demand. Has that translated into how you're looking at new things? I know that you've mentioned before building out the new ambulatory center. You know, some of those concepts factored into the design of how that's being built out. Absolutely. Um, whenever I meet anyone new, I am a self-proclaimed millennial. Don't call me, send me a text. But also with my generation is I don't want to speak to somebody when creating an appointment. And one of the largest focuses that we're making is our digital front door. When you go to look for a St. Joseph's Health physician, how are you finding me? Where are you finding me at? And how easy is it for you to book an appointment with me? Not only that, but once you book an appointment, can you do your paperwork beforehand? Can you upload, take a picture of your insurance card? Can I run your insurance beforehand? So it's a seamless experience from the moment you decide you need to see a physician until the moment you get in to see me or a telehealth visit. And that focus takes a lot of attention to detail. It takes um, a lot of customization because providers have very interesting schedules, interesting wishes, but also it takes meeting the public having to do with the back end of business, of medicine. And it's not always so easy as I want to see a, a doctor or I get to. There's a lot of in-between steps that as the end user, they don't really want to know about and for the hospital needs to be done beforehand in order to make it a you know a relationship that's going to end up working so our digital front door is extremely important to our new ambulatory campus um, a lot of time dedication centralized scheduling um the ease of use quick easy fashion to understand how to book things um and you know a clean you know clean way to present a product which is healthcare to the end user 
Well, that's great. No, thanks. And Dr. Gandhi, if any similar types of experiences there as far as changing that early stage patient experience? Yeah, definitely. Just like uh, Dr. Kusher said, we're, you know, we have the digital front door we're trying to make available. You know, we have online scheduling available. We have direct scheduling available. We want to make that pervasive throughout the organization. Again, trying to, you know, uh, offer as many modalities as possible where people can gain easy access into the health system instead of having to navigate, you know, phone trees and other things and, you know, access centers and other stuff. Um, and, it, you know, it, for us, it just doesn't even stop there. You know, Kennedy, Dr. Ganti mentioned, you know, voice as one of our translation enhancement, service enhancements that we established. You know, we're also looking at other things and we've actually uh, we, we've actually started implemented uh, what's called a nuance uh, DAX, which is our dragon ambient experience uh, technology platform. So and we've partnered with nuance on this and it's it's an, it's a fantastic experience. Imagine the current setup, which is, you know, very common where you're going to see your physician or your APP, for instance, for your visit. And they're literally keyboard warriors and screen warriors where, you know, they're not looking at you and they're not facing you. But more often than not, they have their backs turned to you. Right. And so the patient is literally talking to your back and you're talking to the computer via your fingers because you're typing away. And even with like power mic mobile and other things, right, that we have, sure, you have to pick up the microphone after the visit and it takes time to, you know, dictate that note, for instance. And, you know, some outfits have used scribes and some hospital systems have used scribes and we've used scribes too, quite honestly, but they can be an expensive endeavor, quite honestly. And so we've partnered with Nuance and what Dragon Ambient experiences is that it's a technology platform, it's cloud-based, which uses AI and you can have a hard piece of hardware that is mounted in the uh, actual exam room, or you can use your smartphone with an app downloaded to it. And you walk in and, you know, you start recording. There's a consent process and everything. But the gist of it is, is that you can start recording and you can actually have a natural free flowing conversation with that patient about what brings them in today. Um, the only thing you have to remember to do is basically you know, talk out loud and, you know, uh, talk out loud about the HPI, the physical exam, the assessment plan. You have to verbalize everything basically, right? And in the background, this technology captures the entire conversation that you've had with your patient. And within a couple hours, it turns that around into a templated note that you can review, edit, and sign and make it part of the permanent legal medical record. So, You've just gone from, you know, having your back turned to the patient where they're talking to your back and you're using the keyboard and the mouse the entire time to actually going back to the way medicine should be, which is talking to the patient. So, you know, and so the point I'm trying to make is that we're looking at, you know, entry of the patient into the health system. We're looking at the experience within that visit itself. And we're also looking at what happens post-visit, right? Post-hospitalization or post-visit too, how to enhance that experience too. That, that sounds, you know, you talk about transformation. That's truly transformational if you, to change that whole care experience, knowing that, you know, a lot of the EHRs and those experiences develop because we all wanted and needed discrete data in those right. fields. So it had you typing away at it. But if, if that technology gets to a point that it can, listen and put it into that format for you. That's, that's a, a game changer. We, we've had great success with it. We've used it in uh, some of our surgical specialties, specialties like orthopedics. Um, we've used it in primary care. We just recently brought neurology to neurological Institute. 
And, you know, we have people knocking on our door now saying, hey, when can I go next? You know, I always say that doctors are not resistant to technology. Doctors are resistant to wrongly implemented technology, right? This is one technology when it's implemented correctly, people will come and you build it, they will come. And this is one of those technology platforms where we helped Nuance bring it into the organization and we help them build it from a templating perspective and a workflow perspective. And it's working so well that the people are coming. The other specialties want, and they want it now. So that's great, Doctor yeah. Kershaw. Anything to add? Yeah. Um, so we we piloted, I think, a similar product. Um, it did not get well received, um, which is interesting. And now that I'm I'm hearing this, perhaps so twofold. Perhaps it wasn't implemented the best, which is always a possibility. Um, or maybe I'm going to try with another group of physicians. I always like to try things out on myself first, but I work in the ER and there's no way on earth I want anything recording any ambient noise in the emergency department. So we definitely, um, I didn't get to personally try it, but my first group of physicians that did try an ambient AI technology said that there was a decent amount of errors, there was a lot of issues, and the patients felt weird about somebody listening, which I thought was a very interesting spin on things. Um, I think as we kind of clean up technology, we get a little bit closer and we can show the benefit to the providers, especially to be able to have that dynamic conversation versus click, click, click. And I will say that when we designed our new campus, um, our ambulatory campus, the way that we built the rooms was not so the computer was, you would your back would be to the patient. We specifically designed it in a way that even if you are gonna carry your laptop with you, um, your screen will be up on uh, like the wall and you're facing your patient, which I think is an extremely important part of your provider visit. So um, maybe, you know, I, I like that you guys have had great success because in theory, it sounds amazing. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to follow that up. So now that you're building, because we've had a similar experience, we built a new um, ambulatory uh, super center, very similar uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and it was actually medical informatics. That was one of the first teams invited to do the workspace analysis and everything like that. Um, have, has, has your team been brought in to uh, look at those kind of uh, human factors in your, in, in the new ambulatory center? And then if so, how do, how does that lend itself to extending digital technologies into that space? So I would say that the creation of this ambulatory um, site has been fragmented by a couple things, COVID being the biggest one. So there's a lot of progress, COVID, progress, COVID. Right now we're having COVID issues again. However, um, informatics has gone through and said, you know, this is, you know, if you want to do, if you want to have a workstation room, this is the best way to do this. If you want to have your provider walk in with a laptop, this is the best place where you want that we should do this. If you want your patients to have um, like a touchless kiosk where they check in and check out, this is really where it should be done. So when um, the building was created and a lot of work has been done and there's been a lot of tinkering with it, um, check in, check out, centralized scheduling, how patients get registered, whether they get registered and triaged in the room, all those various factors, um, informatics has had a, a big part of it. And at St. Joe's, um, informatics, um, there's nursing informatics, which goes to nursing, and then the rest of informatics pulls through into IT. And so the IT component um, is really where a lot of the nuts and bolts, when they started designing, a lot of things came in. Great. 
Dr. Gandhi, again, same question to you. Uh, we have the hub concept and we have a hub up already. And from our experiences in designing that, um, again, very similar, but we have a much more, uh, we had a design language. We had, you know, a lot of specific things done, uh, placing of the monitors and, and really into our integration. You know, where do you see that hub concept maturing and bolting on the digital strategy to that? No, I, that's a great question. So, you know, we were instrumental, as you know, Dr. Gonti, right, with uh, when the Cherry Hill Multi-Specialty Center opened up, one of the first things that we did was we went out there and, you know, as they were building out the exam rooms, we made very clear to them how the equipment should be placed, you know, where the monitor, was there going to be a second monitor up on the wall, you know, where the keyboard, where the computer should be placed, um, to the point that we got down to the nitty gritty of a uh, pull away table that houses a wireless keyboard and mouse. And we did receive a lot of, uh, you know, pushback on the keyboard and the mouse saying the batteries are going to die in two months and it's going to be impossible to change the batteries through all the exam rooms and everything, you know, and I said, you know, I'm sure there's keyboards and, you know, things out there that, you know, the batteries can last more than a year. Maybe we just have to spend a couple extra dollars or something. Well, lo and behold, we found them and they haven't died in their lasting quite a while and it's not the disaster that everybody thought it would be um so that being said you know i think we play a very instrumental role like just just from the point of you know looking at you know when a patient approaches you know one of the hubs or one of the centers you know what happens right can we use geolocation to know that the patient is there can we prompt them to you know say hey we see we you've arrived for your visit do you want to check in um, when they enter the facility, like the through the front doors, can we streamline that process where instead of having them having to go up to the patient service representative, can we do everything electronically? If they've already signed all their consents and everything electronically, right, why do we need them to do something else additional to that, right? And can we streamline it in such a way, sort of like, um, I guess the analogy that I would use is like the airport model where you know, you go in and you've already had your uh, boarding pass on your smartphone or, you know, and you go in and you can, uh, if you have to check in a bag, you can sort of self-check in and you sort of do your own wayfinding, right? Like, you know, uh, you know, you go through the appropriate like gates A, B or C, and then you go to gate C16 and, you know, everything is sort of like on your own. The only time you have to interact with somebody really is if there's a problem one or two, um, if you have a carry-on and they don't have room for the carry-on and they want you to tag it, right? Or three, as you're boarding the plane, they scan your phone, right? And so that's kind of like what we're trying to do is, is there a way to do that for the appropriate people, right? That doesn't, model doesn't fit everybody. I don't think my dad would ever do that, quite honestly. My dad has a smartphone, but um, he would probably still continue to do everything manually, um, you know, he's the kind of guy that will still go to the bank and, you know, write paper checks or whatnot, you know, but there's obviously the other side of it where they want everything to be electronic. And that's what we're trying to do is trying to design it in such a way that everything is seamless. You know, you can do as much self-service as you want. Um, and, you know, taking into account, like, you know, how, how that interaction and how that experience goes and everything. So, Excellent. So you're hitting upon one of the points as far as we're probably in that in between transitional window, both generations and various things right. as far as how they want to get that that work done there. And a lot of it's probably being driven by 
your organizational leadership in right. terms of being supportive of that. What are, it sounds like you have a lot of support from at Cooper from a leadership perspective to enable informatics and others to drive those changes. Can you speak a bit about the support yeah, from a leadership perspective? Definitely. So we're a Lean Six Sigma organization where we really we totally believe in eliminating race, um, eliminating you know extra steps, um, reducing defects and. Um, our, our co-CEOs uh, truly, truly believe in this stuff, right? They see what's happening out in the marketplace. They see what's happening at other hospitals. And they really want to make sure that we provide the best care for our patients, right, and their families, and that we provide the best place to work for all of our staff that work there, including our clinicians or providers. And so we have support from the top level. If there's somebody else that's doing it better than us, then why would we not talk to those people and try to figure out how to bring it within our organization? So we're constantly searching and seeking, right? We're talking to other organizations. We're browsing the web, right? We're looking at different vendors and other things. We're constantly trying to see if there is a way to do things better, we should really take a hard look and figure out how to do those things. And that that's that's one of their primary goals, quite honestly, is to make that, you know, enhance that experience so that it is the best experience that a person would have. No, that's great. And and I think indicative of your willingness to be on a a conversation like this where we're trying to share with others um, the experiences. So so thank you for that. Dr. Kushner, from a from an organizational leadership and driving those types of transformational changes, what how, how is it operating there from a St. Joe's perspective? I think there's a lot of focus, there's a lot of support, uh, there's a lot of interest in bringing um, a great product to our patients. And the other thing that I don't, we unfortunately won't have time to talk about today what is uh, making sure that we have a good, um, we have a good experience for our providers, for our nurses. Um, at the end of the visit, you as a provider don't feel worn down and exhausted because you're trying to type, type, type. You wanna see your patient and most people, most of us who are physicians, We went into medicine because we like the human experience. And so we want to make sure that our digital, um, the solutions that we use maintain that I'm still talking to a human at the end of the day. And the patient feels that they've seen a provider in a humanistic way. And so our leadership very much wants to maintain that this is a humanistic process. Um, There's a lot of support in trying new things. And if something doesn't work, we'll pivot, we'll redirect, we'll try something new. Um, and just like we, you know, you guys gave the suggestion, maybe for a ambient AI, maybe it won't work for some providers, but um, maybe for others, you know, there's always a willingness to reroute and look at something in a different uh, in a different light, and maybe uh, we'll be able to figure out the best way to use something. Excellent, excellent. And Kenny, let me turn to you as we look at our time and, and get ready yeah, to kind of uh, any of the topics you'd like to hit upon. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm going to uh, conclude on one more final question from me. First for Dr. Kushner is digital transformation is excellent. And sometimes you find yourself in emergency situations or in the situations with the COVID-19 pandemic of having to transform on the fly, Um, you know, such as the demands have been on healthcare systems from everything from COVID testing to treatment and whatnot. How have, how have you in St. Joe's up in Patterson, um, how have you been able to make those uh, resources, how have you been able to turn that around and offer those to your patients to maybe reduce the stress on your inpatient services and your ED, you know, from minimizing the impact of, of COVID if you can? 
Sure. So we went from having no telehealth visits to lots of telehealth visits in 12 hours. I'm pretty sure it happened, you know, last, uh, you know, in March uh, 2020. And so really allowing our providers um, to use whatever platform is easiest and, of course, in a safe HIPAA way um, to be able to connect with our providers, uh, with their patients. The other thing that I think is a fantastic thing, um, and I'm using it currently in the emergency department as we're back to a level five where there are no visitors, but if your loved one comes in and they're 82 and they're in a car accident, you want to know if your loved one's okay, is to be able to use um, uh face-to-face, -face, you know, FaceTime or other um, video connection to be able to sit down with your patient, your patient's family, and the provider all in one area to be able to talk to your patient and to be able to talk to the family members. I think that helps with communication. I think that helps with expectations. Um, and I think the willingness to be able to try different things um, and just being a nimble and agile organization um, where if you see something that works, you know, I, everyone FaceTimes with their loved ones, let's bring this into uh, what we do here in the hospital and to sort of look outside of our, what we would usually look at um, and bring it in. And so I think that's been really helpful. Great. Dr. Gandhi, I could talk about some of the things that I know we've done, um, everything from telemedicine to actually supporting uh, vaccine center, but I, I would defer to you because you know more about it than I. <laughs> I don't know about that. It's a, it, so yeah, we, I mean, we've done and Dr. Kushner, you certainly beat our, we thought we were the record holders because we turned around a telemedicine from having nothing to having something within what Kennedy, like 48 hours or something. Ooh, so, like kudos to you guys. Competition, <laughs> competition. Competition. Yeah. So 12 hours, that's fantastic. No, but very similar experience where you know, we recognize the need to, you know, to have virtualized visits, not just in the outpatient setting, but also in the inpatient, because we really didn't know about COVID-19, you know, uh, back when we first saw it, like people didn't know about it, they were scared, you know, other things. And, you know, we were trying to, you know, do as much as possible. And so we had telemedicine, we, 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 we used off the shelf technology, whatever we could, right? Um, be it that we, we actually use WebEx as a platform to do telemedicine visits, quite honestly. Sure. And so, you know, we were doing that. We were doing audio audio stuff. And to have that interaction with the patient, with their families, uh, we deployed like uh, iPads and, you know, we were allowed, you know, setting up FaceTime and other things. We downloaded apps called uh, called Baby Monitor that's available for smartphones uh, from the Apple Store. <laughs> We, de we deployed some old phones and, you know, that's how we were having, you know, allowing people to converse with each other, families and other things. So just a lot of that um, in terms of, you know, the vaccination. I mean, uh, once we got word that the vaccines are coming and they're coming any day and, you know, we need to set up a workflow for mass vaccination, uh, we converted our conference center into a mass vaccination site. Um, and so getting all the technology right where we had uh, we sent that announcement, hey, you can sign up through our Epic uh, patient portal for your vaccine. You can pick the dates and times. Um, and we did a little, something a little bit unique. Instead of just having them sign up for their first dose, we actually had them sign up for both doses because we're really fearful that people would come and get their first dose, but not necessarily remember to come and get their second dose. So we created what's called a round trip ticket. We did that. Uh, we helped uh, Camden County uh, set up their vaccination site and stand up their vaccination site. 
um, in conjunction with Jefferson at Blackwood. Um, so just a lot of effort around it um, using technology and leveraging, again, our informatics folks and our black belts to streamline those workflows so that we could create that seamless experience while vaccinating and, you know, providing care for as many patients as possible. Well, that, that's fantastic. And it, it certainly has been amazing over the past two years to watch how the pandemic and the crisis and just watching the reaction and the, the innovation and creativity that I think uh, accelerated at paces that we never would have thought you never want to look at the silver lining of something like this pandemic, but certainly technology has advanced within healthcare as a result of necessity over these past two years. We, um, as we dreamed up this podcast idea, we knew that we could go on and talk forever with with folks like yourselves. Um, but but we're gonna we're gonna wrap up today and and thank you both for for joining us um, for this this current podcast and and thank everyone who's listening to this uh, on behalf of the New Jersey Hymns chapter, uh, myself Kennedy. Uh, we want to thank you for listening and look out for our next one, hopefully in February. So thank you and have a good day. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you.